And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, and after a summer road trip that included discussions with over 34 British Columbia wineries, we're back in the home studio, being in Bloomberg 1410 Vancouver. Casey, we got a new producer, but just before that, we recently said farewell to Anissa Hetherington, who's been with us for over four years. She's moving on to a new career. She is. She's gone back to university to become a teacher because she yeah. couldn't get anywhere with us. Wow. We could use a teacher or two. <laughs> well, I think we've got one with Darren. Yeah. Uh, well, we're looking forward to uh, stepping into the chair this week is uh, Darren Reagan. Uh, welcome, Darren, to the show. People will recognize your accent immediately. Thank you very much. Yeah, great to be uh, part of the team. I hope I'm doing okay so far. <laughs> you are. <laughs> oh, boy, you're uh, you're just what we need. <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, well, we're back in the studio, as we say. We love that. Coming up next later in the show, you'll hear from our friends at Tourism Couch and about uh, the many fun things you can discover in the region on Vancouver Island uh, via a special Characters of the Cowichan Focus. We've got one this week uh, uh, that's coming to us from the tasting room at Blue Grouse. Also on the show, Casey, auctions, auctions, auctions. If you like uh, wine auctions, Warren Porter joins us from Iron Gate Auctions to talk about uh, some really cool opportunities to uh, buy wine online now. It's a nice setup. Have you been to an auction yet online, Casey? I have, Tony. They're very exciting. Yeah, they are. And, uh, well, he'll give us all the details. Martin Kaiser, he's the head winemaker, Argentina's uh, Dona Paula. I understand you've been to that winery. I have, and the bargains are terrific with Dona yeah. Paula in Vancouver until October 2nd. Yeah, and up next, we're going to head to the Naramata bench to catch up with Dwight Sick. He's the winemaker at Moraine Vineyards, and we're going to have another conversation, one of many, with Valley First Winemaker Profile Series. And Dwight Sick uh, moving from, uh, we're going to ask him about the move from Okanagan Falls to Naramata bench. All that more coming up next. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. The Maipo Valley is a -a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. For an after-work escape any day of the week, the tasting room at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery is open every day till 8. Take your Mount Boucherie experience to the next level as you enjoy the view from the patio with stand-up or seated tasting overlooking beautiful Okanagan Lake. 
Grab some wine, cheese, and meats from the Modest Butcher Market and create your own picnic on the lawn. Reservations are recommended. To book your next tasting, visit mtboucherie.com. Whether it's in the tasting room or outside on the spacious rooftop patio with a gorgeous view of Okanagan Lake, the Therapy Vineyard Tasting Experience is one of a kind. The tasting room is open daily, reservations required for groups of six or more. Need a little long-distance therapy? Sign up for their fully customizable wine club with 15% off therapy wine, 20% off select rates at the inn, discounted shipping, and more. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. Bold. Award-winning. Discover Gold. Our tasting room at Gold Hill Winery is open and ready to welcome everyone. Come explore our beautiful vineyard and reserve your unique and personal tasting of our exclusive small lot favorites. We can't wait to see you again and share our passion. Discover Gold. Gold Hill Winery on the beautiful Golden Mile Bench in Oliver. Online, goldhillwinery.com. And now, a BC Food and Wine Radio Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries. Presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Our guest today is Dwight Sick. He's the winemaker at Moraine Winery on the Naramata Bench in the central Okanagan. Uh, Dwight, you've been making wine for some time now, but interestingly, you didn't start out in the business, in the wine business. Tell us a little bit about your initial uh, uh, work and life before you got into wine and how, how you got into wine. Well, it, it, it's uh, kind of a, a long, drawn-out story, but uh, I spent 19 years in the airline industry uh, as my first career, and uh, quite by chance in my travels, to the south part of the Pacific in Australia, um, really discovered uh, my next career, moving on into sort of winemaking and a love of, of wine and, and getting back into the sciences of, of wine. What airline were you with? Started off Ward Air. Okay. Went through the merger process with Canadian Airlines and then went through the merger process <laughs> with Air Canada. Yeah, I was with Canadian uh, yeah, it was a long, long road of bumps. Yes. Yeah. Well, Dwight, a lot of people do know you from uh, your most recent work over at Stag's Leap. Uh, Stag's Leap. Stag's. Uh, <laughs> Hollow. Why do Stag's I want to say Stag? Yeah, Stag's Hollow. It's natural to say it. Yeah. Uh, so I thought we'd start there. So you did quite a bit of work in the Okanagan Falls. Now you've moved to the Naramata Bench. So how is that different for you? Does that present any different challenges, or, or how would you look at it uh, moving up a little further north? Um, you know, really what it came down to was I, I was quite intimate with the vineyards in, in Okanagan Falls, and I think, you know, there's there's always a process when you're moving into new sites of, of coming to an understanding of those sites that you can actually encapsulate the true identity of the fruit and the vineyards into the wines. Yeah. Um, the Naramata area is different in that the soils are heavier and siltier and they hold moisture differently. They, they warm up differently in the spring. So it's, it's been a, a bit of a learning curve in understanding the vineyards, but you know what, um, I've had enough time here now that I'm feeling pretty comfortable with our sites. Yeah, well, uh, I, I kind of call it the sweet spot in the Okanagan. It seems like anything's possible there. 
so I think you're going to have a lot of fun there. Do you, are, is there a lot of work to do in terms of what you're growing? Are you happy with what you have, or will you sort of change things? Or how, how does a new, how does that approach work when you walk into a new winery? The vast majority of I think of our portfolio was was correct as far as you know the wines that we're making. It was just really trying to narrow down where we were sourcing our materials from, our grapes from and putting an emphasis on as much estate-grown fruit as possible. Um, and, and we're getting closer and closer now to, to being able to say that, you know, we'll be, you know, in the next few years, I would say we should be estate-grown 100%. We're probably about 85% at the moment. Okay. And we're about 85% of that fruit actually being from the Naramata bench as well. Yeah, that's great. Our guest is Dwight Sick. He's the winemaker at Moraine uh, Winery on the Naramata bench. Dwight, what are some of your favorite grape varieties to work with, and and why? Personally, for me, I've I've always had this attraction to working with Rhone varietals. So in our portfolio here at at Moraine, the two grapes that probably take the biggest part of my heart are probably Viognier and Syrah. And they're both two grapes, I think, that were on the cusp of being almost too far north to do them well. And so as a result of that, the further away you get from that sort of point of, of uh, security of, of being able to consistently ripen the fruit and the harder the fruit's got to work to reach that sort of level of maturity, um, the more interesting the wines are. Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, so I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're never going to be a big powerhouse in those varietals, but they're super interesting wines, and, and they, they definitely hold a special space in my heart. And, and in terms of, uh, well, I know you use the word Rhone, but we do have a, we do have kind of a distinctive style, I would say, now for, uh, for these varieties in the Okanagan. Uh, and uh, I don't know what will happen with global warming, but it seems like it's possible to grow these varieties uh uh, maybe not with ease, but if if they make it through the winter, we 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 really have some high quality Syrah across British Columbia. I would agree with that. Yeah, I I think the one identifying factor that we have that many other locations in the world that are growing Syrah don't have is is just the amazing natural acidity uh, that our grapes just have here, and it, it, yeah. I think it's an identifying factor that you know when you're tasting through a, a set of wines, it's it's almost, you know, it's it's like the thumbprint of the wine. You can identify that wine as being from the Okanagan. Uh, well, it's harvest time uh, at the moment. Uh, can you give us a very quick update where you're at? Have you started? Will you start soon, or how how is it going? Yeah, we're we're frantically preparing. Um, you know, we're out in the vineyards just trying to do a last pass through of, of some of the later Bordeaux reds as far as uh, a last pass of green thinning through the vineyard to get any immature clusters out of there. Um, yeah. The earlier pick varieties or the, the sparkling varieties, they're on, on our doorstep. We're, we're picking Friday and Saturday, actually, of this week. Um, I would say overall we're probably seven to ten days ahead of where we would be in a normal year. Wow. And Dwight, do you have any um, superstitions about harvest? Do you wear certain clothes <laughs> or eat certain food during that crazy time? Um, you know what? About the only thing that really changes around here as far as superstitions or 
practices is I ensure that we've always got some beer in the fridge so that at the end of the night, once we've put in a good, long, hard day and everybody's just in their rubber boots and doing a cleanup, they've got one hand with a hose and one hand with a beer at the end of the night. Maybe you could talk to the president of our radio station about that. <laughs> yeah, I, every show's a harvest, a I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think every show's a harvest here. We could use that, perhaps. Uh, Dwight, uh, another thing I'm interested in, there's always a lot of angst in the Okanagan. Are we any good? Are we better than the rest of them? Are we catching up? Where are we on the world stage? How do you look at BC today and where it sits and the, either the recognition it has or doesn't have? Well, how would you uh, look at that situation? I would say we've, we've progressed pretty dramatically over the past 20 years. You know, I would say in the beginning of my career, there was probably a quarter of the wine that I would have considered as being quality um, wine on the world scale. I would say we're probably two-thirds of what is coming out of the valley now could compete quite well. Um, I think our price points of our wine on a global scale might be slightly inflated, but a lot of that has to do with just the logistics of producing wine here in the valley and the, the mm-hmm. production costs relative to anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. And Dwight, what country would you like to visit for its vineyards? You know, I've traveled quite a bit, but the vineyards that, again, kind of resonate with me is just across the line from us down in Washington State, to be truthful. Um, some of the vineyards around the Walla Walla area there just absolutely blow my mind when I get to spend time down there and, and how extreme the sites are and and the quality of the fruit that comes out of those extreme sites. And that mm-hmm. would be really exciting fruit to work with down there. Lots of challenges going on in the business today from global warming to wildfires to uh, I, I think a lot of things that probably weren't in, weren't in winemakers' minds uh, two or three decades ago. Uh, but are more of reality now. It's not an easy business to, to get a harvest in anymore. No, I think there's there's always challenges, and, and the you know the the old story of the only one thing that's consistent in the business is change is is even more so true now. Um, we face different challenges every vintage, every growing season that we've never seen before, and uh, it's going to be an ever evolving rolling ball for us. I think you know, for the seeable future. Uh, well, Dwight, it's been great to catch up with you today and just learn a little bit about your uh, your new job, I guess, at Moreno, although you've been there for a while now. I guess I have one last question. Have you thought about any new wines at Moraine or something that's in uh, in the back on the back burner that we might see in the next year or two or a little slight change in direction? Um, I, I would say overall, I'm not going to make any, you know, profound changes to the portfolio, but you'll probably see a little more segregation of like reserve quality wines or single vineyard wines that just really stick out from the main portfolio as being uniquely different, um, but maybe site-specific wines, like I said. And I think we'll see a little more of that popping up in the portfolio. I've already wow. kind of started with that in the past vintages. Here we did a single varietal Cab Sav. I think that will probably move into our main portfolio this year. Hmm. Uh, well, thanks for giving us uh, a bit of your super valuable time this month. I know with Harvest on, uh, it's busy, but uh, we really appreciate catching up with you today. And uh, hope we can talk to you more after Harvest about the wines that are actually in the tanks. Thanks so much, Dwight Sick. Thank you, Tony. 
That was winemaker Dwight Sick from Marine Winery, located on the Naramana bench. There's lots more still to come on the show. Uh, and today's shout-out goes to all the Bounce radio stations who carry our show each weekend across British Columbia from Fort St. John to Nelson and Salmon Arm. We love being a part of your weekend. Up next, Martin Kaiser, winemaker at Doña Paulo from Mendoza, Argentina. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Join us next time for another Spotlight on British Columbia Wineries presented by Valley First Wealth Management. Working with you to give you confidence in your financial future. Valley First Wealth Management is a division of FW Wealth Management Limited. Red Rooster Winery invites you to visit for a sensory journey from grape to glass. Take in the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their cozy estate on the Naramata bench. This month, Red Rooster is featuring their award-winning 2020 Viognier, the perfect companion while you take in the views. Seated tastings are offered seven days a week from 11 to 5 this fall. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Find out more at redroosterwinery.com. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Your wine collection is your pride and joy. Years of searching and selecting has merited you an enviable list, but it's time to find a new home for some or all of your wine. As the only auction in Canada dedicated to fine wines and spirits, Iron Gate Auctions offer collectors a safe and inexpensive way to liquidate their collections online. Experts in the field with knowledge and acumen to maximize the return on your assets. To find out more, visit irongateauctions.com. The Cowichan region of Vancouver Island is ready to welcome you to a perfect fall getaway. Here you will discover BC's oldest craft cidery, 14 wineries, as well as breweries, distilleries, and agricultural and culinary charms like a perfumery and tea farm. A short drive of Victoria and only 10 minutes south of Nanaimo, the Cowichan region offers majestic forests, quiet beaches, farm-to-table restaurants, and tours through history that will leave even the most curious curious for more. Visit tourismcowichan.com. Clos de Soleil Winery knows that the best wines keep it simple. It's all about the grapes and the place where they are grown. Minimal handling, minimal intervention, maximum beauty in the bottle. Nestled in a sunny, stony corner of BC's Similkameen Valley, Clos de Soleil produces wines that blend the best of Bordeaux varieties with their unique terroir. The result? Wines that are elegant and effortlessly special. Tastings by appointment or buy online at closdesoleil.ca. Free shipping to BC and Alberta on orders of six or more bottles. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia from Fort St. John and Victoria and all cities in between here on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. We're heading to the high-altitude vineyards of Argentina, and our next guest is Martin Kaiser. He's a head winemaker at Doña Paula Winery, established some 25 years ago in Mendoza. Martin, how are you today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for calling. Uh, it's great to catch up with you. Great to be talking to somebody in Argentina. Uh, we're going through the harvest right now. You're probably getting ready for spring. 
Yes, in fact, we are in the in the end of the winter. We have just ended the pruning and waiting for the bud break. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess today one of the things we wanted to start to, to talk to you about was uh, this whole notion of uh, growing grapes at a high altitude. We hear so much about it, but we don't, maybe we don't really understand why it's so important or what are the great advantages to growing grapes at, uh, at high altitude? Well, there are many different reasons to do that. Uh, one of them, and I think the most important, is that whenever you go higher, the climate gets colder, so the wine gets a differentiated type of fruit, and a little higher natural acidity. And I think also the texture of the wine changes by the difference in temperature. So um, there, are, there are many, many advantages in our situation to go into higher elevations to plant the vineyard. Mm. Uh, well, let's start with Melbeck. I guess that, that is the grape that, that is planted the most or that you perhaps work the most with. And, and um, so, so higher altitude, what, do you get a smaller smaller bunches or and higher acidity, fresher wine? Is that what happens with Melbeck? Definitely you get smaller bunches. In fact, sometimes it may be, uh, in, in the case of Malbec, that we work with uh, very antique clones of Malbec, and in all areas, sometimes you get two little bunches. Um, so it's something that we, we have, have to learn to manage. But um, in, in contrast of that, the grapes get get a beautiful ripening, um, more concentration in flavors, tannins, and color, and um, of course, acidity. So, in one hand, you get a lower cup by hectare, but in the other hand, you get more, more concentration and a very special uh, food profile. We see a couple of uh, different Malbecs in our marketplace here in Vancouver. So, of course, we have the, the Doña Paula Estate Malbec, and then we have another wine uh, under the Los Cardos label. Can you tell our listeners yeah. who would see, they would see both of these wines in the store, what, how would you describe the differences between the Estate Malbec and the Los Cardos? Uh, well, um, Los Cardos Malbec is planted in Luján de Cuyo, at 1,000 meters of elevation, and um, it's a place that is the most traditional area for growing Malbec in Mendoza. So there, there are many vineyards in the area that have been planted more than 100 years ago. Uh, and that area for producing Malbec is, you, you will get this very traditional, uh, very fruity, um, with a velvet, style of tannins in the mouth, while in the state Maltex that is grown in Uku Valley at higher elevation, the base and the nights are cooler there, so the wine has a different fruit profile where the, the, black, the black fruit is dominant, um, in the case of the mouth, the texture of the tannins are more grainy and are, are firmer and also the wine is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more concentrated than the structure. Mm -hmm. 
And That's the main the main difference. I visited yeah. your winery, Martin, several years ago. I was so impressed. First of all, with Argentina, I've never seen such beautiful winery buildings as I did when I was down there. And I know that um, you've d dug a lot of pits, like they're doing that up here, but I know that you have dug more than 700 pits to identify different soils at Doña Paula. <coughs> Yeah, in fact, that's something that we are still doing. In fact, we this year we um, we conduct the, the third study in one of our vineyards because every time that we we go further uh, in the in the knowledge, we have new questions to answer. So um, this year we made like 300 more needs to study the soil, and the most important thing is to understand where you need to pick the grapes for the different different wines that, that we are producing. So today we know exactly when we want to do a young Malbec, for example, where to go to pick the grapes, or if we want to do um, a wine for aging five or ten years in the bottle, where we should pick that grapes too. Your wine is very high quality, but the, it's inexpensive. It's very good prices in the Vancouver liquor stores. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, in, in general, well, I think we are blessed by the climate of our region of Mendoza. So this vineyard that we where we produce grapes from 1,000 meters to 1,300 meters of elevation, they have very high um, solar radiation. You have some UV rays that play a role there, but also the, the as long as the climate is quite dry, you have a high you know, swing in temperature that helps to to the grapes to get this type of uh, maturity that is also this wine naturally so nice. Martin, uh, before we let you go, I want to ask you the big question that a lot of people always pose to uh, to people in Argentina and to producers and owners of wineries, and that is, uh, will there be life after Malbec? And if there will be life after Malbec, what what will it be? What what other grapes do you think will be a part of the future of of Argentina moving forward? Well, a very good question. There, there are two, two different answers for that question. I guess uh, after Malbec, we will have more Malbec. <laughs> and by that, I mean uh, different styles of Malbec, and yeah. different regions, different winemaking uh, uh, type of process. And uh, that is part of the answer. And I guess Malbec will continue to be the leading variety. But then we are... Uh, starting to know some things that in particular places give beautiful results, like Cabernet Franc in high altitude vineyards in Ugo Valley, like Riesling, like Semillon, um, this type of varieties that uh, we found that are like jewels um, that easily can give great wines. I think they are the, the future also of Argentina. Uh, well, I look forward to some white wines from Argentina. I know I've I've had several really well-made white wines from down there. We don't see much in the marketplace, but uh, kind of mm. fun to see them. Uh, 
One of the wines we do see here before we let you go is a rosé. You also make a Malbec rosé. Is there a trick to making that wine, or do you have a certain style that you go after? Well, what we do there is let the Malbec express. Just by harvesting quite early, we harvest the Malbec for making the rosé from Lujan de Cuso about 40 days before than we do for the red wines. And then you get a very nice fruit profile that uh, instead of having a lot of plum, you get more strawberry, but also some more herbal and spicy notes. So at the end, you get the Malbec with a very fresh fruit profile, uh, lower alcohol, high natural acidity. Um, um, more important than all is that it's very pleasant for, for drinking in, in, in a hot summer, for example. Yeah, and congratulations on the color. I, I know that the rosés traditionally were a bit darker, but this one has all the right, uh, uh, just the right amount of pink in it. Uh, it looks very inviting in the bottle, and I think uh, consumers will love it. By the way, folks, the rosé of Melbeck from Dona Paulo is available in uh, nearly 80 stores across British Columbia. It's thirteen ninety nine a bottle, so before summer uh, leaves us here in uh, British Columbia. You should check this wine out. Casey, it looks like uh, your kind of wine. It is, and it's a beautiful label and uh, beautiful capsule. Great price, and there's also a red wine. Your Malbec Los Cardos is on special for $8.99, available yeah. in all 147 stores. I'm going to pick up a case of each on the way home. Yeah, that's a crazy mm-hmm. price. It, it, it's it's especially marked down till October 2nd, but wow, Los Cardos has always been a, a great performer in the marketplace, and to get a red wine for that price is just a complete steal. Uh, well, Martin, I really enjoyed catching up with you today. I, I hope the next time we talk we're standing in front of each other in Argentina, maybe at uh, uh, 1,500 meters in the air. That would be kind of nice. That would be beautiful, yes. I, I hope you can come soon to Argentina. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for joining us on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network today, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. It's a pleasure. Bye. Bye Bye-bye, Tony and Stacey. Thank you. Bye now. That was Martin Kaiser. He's the head winemaker and viticulturalist uh, of Argentina's Dona Paula Winery. Lots more still to come on the show. Up next, buying wine on your terms with Warren Porter, president of Iron Gate Auctions. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Hi, I'm Jesse from Black Hills Estate Winery, inviting you to celebrate 21 years of premium winemaking with the estate release of our 2019 Nota Bene. Led by winemaker Ross Wise, our team's focus is on organic viticulture and minimal intervention winemaking. This summer, wine club members will enjoy member-exclusive wines such as our 2020 Rosé and our infamous and rare Carmenere. For more information on the perks of membership or to book your visit with us, go to blackhillswinery.com or check us out on Facebook and Instagram. The 
Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Casual, modern dining. Exceptional Okanagan flavor. Introducing the most anticipated new eatery in the valley. 15 Park Bistro at Watermark Beach Resort in Osuyus. Chef Nick Atkins and his team are ready to create an unforgettable dining experience for you. Utilizing fresh local ingredients. 15 Park Bistro's lakeside patio with its unmatched views of Lake Osuyus is now open. Indoor dining available as well. For reservations and more, including full takeout menu options, visit 15parkbistro.com. Taste the flavors of the season at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Their heated patio is open with more space for you to dine safely. So come enjoy a menu showcasing ingredients from their on-site culinary garden. Pair your meal with a new release Summerhill wine for an extraordinary organic experience. The flavors of the season are in abundance at Summerhill Pyramid Bistro and Wine Shop. Online, summerhill.bc.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia. Our next guest is Warren Porter. He's the president of Iron Gate Auctions. Uh, here comes the rain again. That's kind of a nice sound for fall auctions. And Warren, you say you got a barn burner of the uh, fall set up with uh, all kinds of wines to be sold. How's it going? It's going great. Hi, Tony. Hi, Casey. Thanks for having me. It, yeah, you're right. It's a barn burner, all right. This is a big one. Yeah. So Iron Gate Auctions, maybe let's just quickly go back there. You've started this up. You're, you're set up in, in uh, Calgary, but the auctions are across the country more or less, or actually global, I believe, now. Is that right? Or Yeah, our bidders are coming from the U.S., from China, from across Canada. It's all over the place. I think if you have really good product that comes out in a really good jurisdiction where you don't have to you know, charge exorbitant fees, then people come from out of the woodwork to find things they can't find anywhere. So it's been great. Yeah, really and and I guess unlike let's say uh, the UK, we haven't had many auctions. So I think there's a lot of wine lying around Canada that needs to be auctioned off. Well, there is, and surprise, well, surprisingly and not surprisingly, a lot of it has come from Vancouver in the last auction. So we've got a nice allocation of spirits that came from there, and I'm going to say close to half of this auction is from a West Vancouver uh, estate. So wow. in terrific condition of some really old, you know, I mean, diverse with lots of things, but old Dominus and Dariush and, and yeah. uh, you know, some uh, uh, Kilsada Creek and uh, Marcuson, which is my favorite California oh, wow. wine by far. So, yeah, yeah. exciting. Uh, full, full disclosure, not my West Vancouver estate. Well, I don't have an estate. I but was I going do to say, a... are you sure it isn't Tony's <laughs> cellar? Yeah, no, well, it's Well, I don't know. I could, I could check on the pickup receipt, but it doesn't look like it. Go down into your cellar and see if you're missing anything, but you're probably yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. Can you explain briefly, like you have a, a couple of charity auctions, too, along with these sort of business-like auctions. How is it, how is it set up? Yeah, so there's two commercial auctions, one coming up at the end of this month on September the 24th. Uh, That's a big one. Then we have the next one is for uh, uh, climate change in wine, which is coast to coast. There's a segment in Vancouver, in Calgary, in New York, in Toronto. 
So that's happening uh, in October. There's another one coming up for uh, the Toronto Symphony, which is also a big one at the end of uh, October. And then we have another very large commercial one that's coming up in November, which will be the last one of the year. So, yeah, between now and Christmas, there's four. My staff is going to be very, very busy. Okay, which people can check out at uh, at Iron Gate Auctions uh, online. Uh, Our guest is Warren Porter. He is the president of Iron Gate Auctions. Warren, how many bottles and lots will be up for sale? Well, it, we're, we're fine-tuning the, the one coming up for September, but give or take, you're looking at about 800 lots, almost 3,000 bottles coming up in the next auction. And, you know, there's about 700-odd Bordeaux, 200 Burgundy, 300 Italy, 300 Australian, 550 Californian. So it's really, mm-hmm. you know, when I say there's something for everybody, there's something for everybody in this one. And how yeah. about affordability? Very much. In fact, this is not full of, you know, Rousseau's and DRC and the ones that are thousands of dollars a bottle. There is a lot of very interesting wines in a what I would call a, a really affordable price point, right? So you can try some ones that you would never have a chance to try otherwise, you know, like yeah. old Chateau Chalon from 1942 and, you know, and, and we've got some Pappy Van Winkle. We've got, it's just everything. But yeah, lots of affordable lots, Casey, for sure. And- if people don't know, it's kind of a relaxed atmosphere because you. how long can you be looking at these lots and how much time do you have to put a bid in uh, on maybe something? Well, we open it up for seven days, and but most of the bidding happens in the last four hours. I don't know if people still <laughs> you know, do much bidding on eBay, but, but really the first few, few days are kind of a preview, but you can enter bids at that time. And yeah. so, you know, it's up and it's relaxed and it gives them lots of time to go through it. The new platform has even more, um, you know, filtering features and and search functionality and all that kind of stuff. We're just doing the final test on it this afternoon. So you've already redone the platform a little bit because uh, apparently did you talk to everybody in the last auction that bought something? Yeah, we did. Actually, I'm a bit of a stickler when it comes to customer care. So I, I asked our staff to call every single person and I wanted to find out what they liked and what they didn't like. And it was a hard button to push, but I, I, I told the, the technical staff just to, to kill the old platform. It was good, but not enough for what we wanted to do. So we went and purchased a brand new platform and that will be going for all of this fall. So it, mm-hmm. it, we have addressed every, every single point that somebody said they either didn't understand or could be better or that they wanted. So yeah. I've, I've seen the new platform. I'm really excited by it. So, so is that a big outlay of cash for you to do that, Warren? It's a huge outlay of cash. So we <laughs> had, to give you an example, Casey, in the last platform, which we only used for a couple of auctions, we spent over $100,000 on that. But it wasn't going to be able to keep up with all the things I wanted to do. So we, we, we just went and, you know, kind of purchased another one that we've customized. It seems so for- like a really exciting job to have. It's a lot of fun. And look, there's a lot of world of, you know, we, there, there, there's a lot of stuff in this business that we recognize that we're new at, right? So we haven't done a lot of this before. We've been in the, we, you know, Iron Gate Cellarage, our storage company uh, based out of Toronto, has been in the business for 17 years. So a lot of this auction side for our Alberta company is very new to us. So we're really just trying to, you know, make sure we catch everything. But yeah, it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. And the, these wines, like people have a lot of credibility that are giving you their wines, right? It's, this isn't wines under someone's staircase. 
I won't take those, and I get those, I'm going to say, a three or four times a week. Uh, so, you know, I, the, the, one of the most important things to us is the pro actually the most important thing to us is the provenance. So you can come to me with one of the greatest wine collections, but if it hasn't been stored properly, I have no interest in it. So that's the first thing I look at. The second thing is what's the collection like. And the third thing is the people's own individual requirements, but, but provenance is everything, 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 everything. Uh, I like the way it's working. It sounds like I'm all the people that call me, I send to you, and all the people that call you, you don't send to me. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, Warren, tell us, just to explain very quickly what, what would happen. Okay, I'm a guy, and uh, I'm a person with a seller. Say I got 500 wines, and I want to go to auction. So what happens? I, I phone you, and take us through the whole thing from right down to the sale. Sure. So what happens is someone will call us. The first thing we'll do is ask them about the conditions on the wine, how it's been cellared. If we have the opportunity to have someone, our people personally go into the cellar, that's the best. At a minimum, yeah. they'll need to send us a documentation and photographs of their cooling systems and how they've been stored in any provenance background. At yeah. which point we get in a um, uh, inventory from them, just a, a, a spreadsheet. Sure. We then send them back what the estimated pricing is, and, and if we make uh, if it looks good to them, then we offer it up for sale, and and, that, um, and we sell it. And the new platform, actually, this is great. We're really excited about this because the, the seller can watch live as their items are being sold and have an instant um, uh, reconciliation at the end of the auction, and then we can help them pay out within 10 days. The industry yeah. standard is two months. So that was wow. one thing that I really liked about this platform. Everybody can and, get paid quick. Yeah, and what it be, like the the seller? He does he pay a fee and the buyer pays a fee, or how how, how does that work? Yeah, what so about the seller taxes? typically will pay a will pay a small commission to us. It depends on the wine and it depends on the size and you know yep. where it's located and those kind of things. Mm -hmm. The buyer premium is where the auction house makes where where we make most of our money, but it is the lowest in Canada. So. To give you an example, yeah. we're 17 and a half. Uh, yep. There's an auction in Ontario that's 20 or over. U.S. auctions can hover between 22 and 24. So wow. it's, we are absolutely the lowest. And that is in big part to, to operating in Alberta, which is tremendous and has a great, you know, lower cost of doing business for us. And right. Warren, before we let you go, how much money have you raised for charity? We've raised so far this year, Casey, 860000 net for charity. Wow. And there's a couple of more that are coming up as well. So my goal, and I think we'll, I'm sure we'll be able to hit it, will be to top a million dollars this year. That's incredible. Which in the time of COVID, right, for yes. helping these guys raise some money is really, really terrific. And so we're, we're excited about that. And those have gone through uh, swimmingly well. In fact, we have to kind of look at how many more we're going to do for next year and but that's been great for us. Yeah, thanks for asking about that. Uh, well, Warren, it's great to catch up with you. Folks listening in, Iron Gate Auctions, uh, head to them online and uh, uh, check out the latest auction coming up later this month. So many great wines there and a lot of fun. Get some friends together, put a bid in, and uh, have some wine for a fancy dinner. That's the best way to go. Thanks, Warren. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, Casey. Appreciate it. Thank See you. Guys. you. Yep. Warren Porter, he's the president of Iron Gate Auctions. Lots more to come on the show. Up next, Tourism Cowichan presents Characters of the Cowichan with Pamela Sanderson, tasting room manager at Blue Grouse Estate Winery. I'm Anthony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And this is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network.
Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The Maipo Valley is a one-of-a-kind spot for Cabernet Sauvignon. Since 1850, Carmen, the first Chilean winery, has been recognized by the most prestigious publications for their innovative capacity to produce wines with identity, while at the same time remaining open to reinvention. For Carmen, it's not enough to be first. It's about being better than yesterday. Carmen, the first Chilean winery, reinventing itself since 1850. Find out more at Carmen.com. Invest in one of the fastest growing real estate markets in Canada. Green Square Vert is a modern collection of condos and townhomes in the heart of Kelowna's vibrant lower mission. Offering thoughtfully designed one to four bedroom units starting as low as $399,000. Located just steps from Kelowna's best shopping, beaches, schools, and more. Rent your unit worry-free with access to top property management firms. For more info on Green Square Vert, visit greensquare.ca. It's a new normal. My husband and I want to get away. Need something to look forward to. So we decided to book a weekend away at a European wellness resort right here in BC. Plan an escape without leaving the province at Sparkling Hill Resort. Overlooking the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Relax and focus on your health and wellness at this luxury resort. Check out the immersive wellness packages available and learn more about this undiscovered gem today at sparklinghill.com. Experience award-winning wines and a pastoral view of the Oliver Valley from the covered patio at Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. The tasting room is open daily from 11 to 6. Why not book a black glass blind tasting or add a charcuterie plate to your tasting? For exclusive VIP experiences, join the Crush Club. Membership includes regular wine shipments, 15% off purchases, early access to new releases, and admission to the Wine Club Lounge. Don't forget, Miradoro Restaurant is also open daily for indoor and outdoor dining. Visit Tinhorn.com. Overlooking a beautiful 12-acre vineyard in the heart of the Cowichan Valley, the Unsworth Restaurant welcomes you to get away from it all. Enjoy a delectable menu and award-winning wines in our dining room or outdoor patio. Unsworth Restaurant, vineyard dining where casual meets elegant. You can find Unsworth wines across BC. Look for us at your local liquor store. Visit unsworthvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome back to the show. Our next guest is Pamela Sanderson. She's the tasting room manager at Blue Grouse Estate Winery uh, as Tourism Cowichan presents Characters of the Cowichan. Pamela, how are you today? Doing great, enjoying a gorgeous view of the Cowichan Valley. Well, you yeah. are—you're our first character of the Cowichan. Hey, no pressure, <laughs> right? <laughs> I hope I can live up to being a character. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the owner's a quite a character, so uh, I, no I'd one say can. We are off to a good no start. one can uh, live up to the character of of Paul Bruner. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Pretty interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, Pamela, it, it's interesting how things change from, uh, even though summer's not over, this sort of Labor Day switchover happens. Uh, how, how would you describe the change at a, at a winery after Labor Day? Well, you know, it's funny. What I have learned in the last year and a half is that nothing is predictable. Yes. <laughs> so I would say historically, you know, things quieted down for us post-August, but 
right now we're still seeing a lot of demand, which is fantastic. Um, We saw record-breaking July and August with so many visitors coming to the island because we didn't have as much smoke and it was, you know, the travel restrictions were lightened up. So it's it's really hard to anticipate, but so far so good. We're, We're trying to make... Hey, while the sun shines, if that makes yeah. sense. So, uh, well, Pamela, you're a tasting room manager. So how many people are working in the tasting room? Like how many people do you hire through the season? Well, we were very lucky this year. I, I, you know, I, uh, many counterparts couldn't work at full capacity because it was so challenging to find uh, colleagues. But yeah. I, pro- I employed about eight people in the tasting room this year. And uh, I was very lucky it got us through. And so in September, it reduces because some people go back to school. But I still have about six uh, that are employed with us consistently. And And then we're heading into harvest. So then um, we've got all of that going on as well. Right. And what are you looking for when you hire somebody in a tasting room? So I would say that first and foremost, it is a hospitality center. So we look for a hospitality driven uh, colleagues. So people that really love dealing with the public are very social, um, know how to host people and make people feel welcome. Uh, and then second, it would be a passion for what we're doing, food and wine. But the hospitality is the biggest focus for me. Well, Tony's got one of those. <laughs> he's got one of those. What do you mean? Well, he's got the passion, but oh. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm the social one. I, I, you're hired, yeah. Casey. Yeah, I, I size people up pretty quick, and I either say in or out. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, we, we hear so many stories about COVID and the impact on what's going on in the industry, but you, you can tell us kind of a neat story about the way that, that you present the wines now that sort of has been, uh, would you say, accelerated by COVID or, or helped along Absolutely. or something? Yeah, so as soon as uh, things went sideways a year and a half ago um, when we reopened after a closure from sort of March, April, May, we reopened in June, 2020. Uh, Paul Bruner, our owner had talked to me about his long-term goals were to see our tasting format change from a big stand up all around the tasting bar to a sit down guided tasting where it was much more personal and intimate and, and we could, give the story of blue grouse a lot more attention, but we were kind of thinking over the next couple of seasons that we would change that. But COVID expedited that because with COVID, with a sit down tasting, we could keep people all spaced apart. We could keep them separate. We could make it safe, but it also improved the experience for our guests. So it was really a win-win and the feedback that we've had has been nothing but positive. Um, Definitely changed how we worked, but it, it really worked within a year. It, it reduced our capacity quite a bit, but it increased the engagement. It increased the enjoyment from a guest perspective, and it also equaled that they spent more at the winery. They, they bought yeah, more higher wine. higher sales. Great. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, we're I, certainly I, not alone with that. We've seen lots of people no. tweak their format and change the experience and 
Yeah, I think, well, one of the number one issues with wineries for me is that either they don't know how to tell their story or, you know, they need to tell their story. And I think this has really helped people figure out who they are and and the story that they want to tell. And, of course, that's what people visiting want to know, you know, what's the story here? And uh, uh, Vancouver Island, I mean, what's going on in Vancouver Island? How could they, people say, how could they even grow grapes there? And I say, well, you got to get over there and have a look at the place. It's It's a pretty special piece of dirt. Yeah, it really gives us an opportunity to talk about cool climate viticulture and to talk about what the Cowichan Valley represents on the island and to talk about the Cowichan Valley status as a newer GI. And it it gives us that opportunity to tell all those stories. The other thing that we've been able to do this year, particularly in our shoulder seasons, was we were able to create different experiences. So historically, we've just done tastings over the counter, and it's been really you know, fast and furious, but with a lowering our capacity and increasing the um, quality of the experience, we did things this year, like we did um, a vegan food and wine tasting over Mm -hmm. one period. We did chocolate food and wine tasting over another period. We did just food and wine pairing with a charcuterie board. And we, we got to share with people what this protein does with this kind of wine, what this spice does with this kind of wine. So we've been able to elevate the experience which has been really fun and what is the cost for a wine experience at blue grouse so we do a very simple tasting of three wines for five dollars per person non-refundable which is in line with what we would have done historically at the tasting bar and then we also offer a tasting of five wines which is ten dollars non-refundable, which is just a little bit more in-depth and and gives you a bigger cross-section. And then some of the seasonal ones can range anywhere from $10 to $20, depending on what we're doing from a food component or what what the other ingredient is. Uh, We're talking with Pamela Sanderson, tasting room manager at Blue Grouse Estate Winery in the Cowichan Valley. Uh, Pamela, we're almost out of town about time, but what about fall and winter? What are your hours? Will you stay open? How will you operate uh, over the next few months? Yeah, so we're very um, excited to uh, offer our services almost 12 months of the year. We usually close for about two or three weeks around Christmas and New Year's, but Mm -hmm. otherwise we are available. We have a really vibrant uh, wine club, so they use this as their clubhouse pretty much 12 months out of the year. But we also welcome guests throughout December and then heading later part of January, February, March ongoing. Um, And then we've got some really exciting new releases that are happening this fall. So we've got uh, some really cool small lot stuff, like we're doing an orange wine that we're going to release in the fall. We're doing a pet nap that we're going to release in the fall. Um, Some of our really limited ones, like our um, Black Muscat Reserve, which will come out in December. Our Estate Pinot Noir will come out in December. So for the real keeners, they should... Follow us in the fall and the winter because that's when some of the most interesting small lots come available. Yeah. Uh, well, great to catch up with you today. Of course, uh, I'm in love with the Pinot Noir over there at uh, Blue Grouse. Not easy to get, but you got to get in line and check it out. If you go online to bluegrouse.ca, uh, you can get all kinds of information about what's going on at the winery, hours of operation, etc. Uh, but the best is to visit Pamela and uh, have a sit-down tasting. I think that would be uh, the best way to understand the wines at Blue Grouse. Thanks so much, Pamela. Well, thanks for, for uh, the interest, and we look forward to seeing people here at Blue Grouse. And don't hesitate to follow us on social media or subscribe to our newsletter and keep up to date with everything that's happening. 
And Thank you. Thanks to Tourism Collagen for you being one of the first characters of the collagen. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Have a great yep. day. Thank you, Pamela Sanderson, tasting room manager at Blue Grouse Estate Winery, a special presentation from Tourism Collagen called The Characters of the couch and special thanks to darren regan our technical producer here in vancouver next week we're heading back out onto the road we're going to be in the okanagan for a stop at mission hill family estate winery to chat with the iconic wineries of bc in west Kelowna. i'm anthony gismondi i'm casey wilson and have a great weekend that's it for today's show tune in again next week for anthony gismondi and casey wilson on the bc food and wine radio network Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.